of the OCD bitch, the show where we take in-depth episode, episode, look at hundred round so far early on, it's the OCD. Are you, if you're just going to give up on the show, then I'll host, I guess. Like, if you, uh, have you just retired? Like, are, do you have senioritis right now? I thought I was getting on down on the show. No, you've given up. How is that? I put my heart and soul. You can always tell when somebody's given up because that's when they sing everything. All the cats and the musical cats. They all gave, they up. gave up on everything. You're insulting all of the alt comedy from 1997 to 2004. I am totally fine with that. Yeah, I don't need a punchline. I'll sing about a unicorn or a ninja at the end. Yeah, I mean, if you take a punchline that isn't, it's just words, mm-hmm. sing it. Maybe people will laugh. Is it better to sing that poorly or well? Like, is it, uh, is it better if you can hit notes? Yeah. Or if you uh, prove that you have no musical talent whatsoever? what's funnier? I'm like, this is Ryan. We're having hard-hitting talks. If you're out there, and yeah, welcome to uh, the alt-CD bitch where we talk about alt-comedy from 10 years ago. Um, I think that if you uh, hit the notes that you're supposed to, then now it seems like you're just out here to prove to the audience that you can sing. I went to a comedy show, and it wasn't the headliner. I think it was the guy before the headliner. And his last, like his big finale, everybody's supposed to end big funny. Uh, he just beatboxed very well while dancing, very well. And people were like, I fucking love that. I was like, sure. But we're in a goddamn comedy club. Fuck that guy. And they're like, what? I was like, you're, that's, you're not the headliner. You changed the energy of the room, and you were not funny. Usually we leave it up to Twitter to scream at you for being too much of a comedy elitist. I like that you were hanging out with a group that would scream at you right yeah, on Yeah, they're like, fuck you. But it's not even funny or not funny. That's just not comedy. You, like, what he's trying to, like, uh, he's trying to, like, uh, so now I'm at the point where I can just do other stuff. And if you're going to do that, then you need to uh, start when you're 16, learn how to play the piano, uh-huh. go for, like, 10 years, direct 8th grade, and then Bo, do a show. Burn, no, That's how Bo, you do burn, it. no. Are you more of a Bo Burnham or Joe Jernum kind of guy? Oh, I'm a Joe Jernum. I write in my Joe Journal every day. About all your Joe thoughts? Mm. Mm, eat at it. That's it. <laughs> I just write eat <laughs> at it question Joe mark. Thoughts? Eat at it? Yeah. No, don't, don't get to the OC. Let's, let's <laughs> I mean, keep doing this let's thing. Ne- <laughs> let's never get to the OC. Are we, uh, like, is this a real thing, though? Like, we're past the first season finally, and we thought mm-hmm. that's all we wanted in the world is to get to the second season. And now we're on the second episode, and we're already done with all of this. No, I fucking not love just the OC, not the OCD, but just life, each other, our as relationships. Friends. Yeah, like is this the last Being time the we ever speak to each other? Oh God, I hope so. I mean, on one hand, we are uh, essentially like Red Cross nurses in World War II, giving that, yes. the world the healing of our podcast. Florence Nightingale can eat our poops, and that's that's a pretty big bonus for us. Yeah. But on the other hand, what's the point, dude? Like, what are we doing? We're just talking into the void about a show? What, what, what are we doing here? I don't want to think about that. Let's watch some more of the OC. If we combine the two, mm-hmm. right? Compromise? Uh, so we are going to watch every episode of the OC mm-hmm. for the rest of season two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. And just we're going to imagine if Florence Nightingale was in it. Oh, shit. And talk about what she would be doing. What would she be doing? She shows up day one straight out of Compton. Compton. That's uh-huh. where everybody historic birthplace of Florence Nightingale. And who welcomes her? Does Marissa become her friend? Does Marissa, Marissa tries to, but like she's always looking like, why is Florence always talking to Ryan? That's weird. She's always talking, to, and she's just trying to heal his heart. And then also, let's get into the complicated, three-dimensional, nuanced person that Florence Nightingale is. She's just not. She's not always about nursing. She's not always about nursing. She's not just about like nursing, like with putting band aids on people. She's also about nursing, like give me that baby. I want to put it on my yeah. boob. I, 
I came here to do two things: heal your wounds and feed some babies. Do Florence? And I'm all out of wounds. Do Florence Nightingale? Does uh, Mother Teresa? Does Gandhi? Like, do they have hobbies? Like Gandhi's well, doing all the this. Three good of work. them have a sweet poker game that they meet up once a month and play. And Just Gandhi mad is shit. a dirty dog. That guy crazy. I mean, are they also into like airplane model building or Jenga? For sure. Is Jenga a hobby? They make Jenga out of airplane models. If uh, is it that whole Superman thing? Like every time you go out to dinner with Lois, you're just hearing people screaming to death all over yeah. the world. And is that thing where like you can't have hobbies because you're not saving more people? He's a piece of shit. Superman or Gandhi? Mm. But yeah, if if you are that talented, you owe humanity everything you fucking got to the last drop. And how dare you take a nap? So this is how you feel like when you're, um, I don't know, like pruning your bonsai bush. I'm like, I should be podcasting. Instead of what doing another episode of OCD. Doing? The world is the I can world hear, I can hear people screaming this. for more OCD. But no, it's just me and my bonsai. But see that, I do think my time with my bonsai is... Making you a better podcaster. Recouping. I'm right. thinking. It's that silent time, the recharge. But when fucking Gandhi and MT... And Florence Nightingale played Django with airplane models. That's not recharging. That's dicking around with your dickhead friends. First of all, you're wasting time. Second of all, you picked a terrible hobby. Like, what, how, how are you going to play Django with airplane models? What are the rules here? Like, how? How? You're still gluing them together? And do you think that makes you awesome that you not only say people all day, but then all night come up with new rules for airplane model Jenga? That doesn't make you and cool, you, dude. you're so fucking above it all when people don't know your rules. I know. Like, every oh, time, like... Push my Gandhi glasses up. You don't know airplane Jenga? I just have, like, real quick. I, and I think I get it, but I just have one quick question. Oh, somebody Ooh. doesn't know how to play airplane model Jenga. You come to my house. You look at me and M.E.T. and Florence Nightingale in the eyes, and you ask us. You deign to ask us about these rules. And I love how Gandhi gives everybody different nicknames every time. But yeah, no, I told you. When I came up, when you called me, when you texted me, Gandhi, I don't know how to play airplane model Jenga. And he's like, oh, no, it's pro- no problem. We're going to hold your hand through the whole thing. I guess you just want to heal people's spirits and not have a good old time. Get the fuck out. God heal a thousand it, more people. Come back to us when you've grown a pair. Gandhi was a prick. Yeah. And I'm sick of people not talking about it. Where are all those like, uh, like uh, shit books? Like we all have about Lincoln. There's like all those biographies about how Lincoln was an asshole. Where's the Gandhi asshole books? There's a subreddit. It's not quite a book yet. I think Seb Gorka's big. Isn't every book just a subreddit waiting to be published? Whoa. What's the difference between a subreddit and a subtweet? Book oh, I have no shady, idea. Right? Is it hurt? It hurts to be the generation that should know this stuff and fucking. It, it's a different language. Is it really? Does that hurt you? I do feel like I I'm love watching, the fact I don't know what a subtweet is. I feel like I'm watching Gandhi, Nightingale, and Teresa play a game that I don't know the rules to, and they're all being shitty about it. But no, yeah, I mean, I don't know what a subtweet is. I know that they would be fucking dickheads. Tonight on the OC, everybody's a fucking dickhead on season two. Oh, two. The boys have to deal with the girls at school. Caleb has to deal with the feds, and Jimmy has to deal with the fact that Haley wants to do more than drink all day. All that and more on tonight's. OC. Ryan. Ryan. Ooh, boy. I'm getting close. You're on fire. It would help if you didn't like hold your hand next to your holster and pull your Ryan gun every time you said it. It's just a giant flag with your name on it, baby. Set the scene for the pretty listeners. How do we open? We open on Newport Beach. Newport Beach. Era 1939. Mm. The hit song. Hey, where's the train, baby? I knew she was trouble when she walked in. The hit movie, There's No TV Yet. <laughs> That's the name of the movie. Uh-huh. It's, it's going to be confusing for another 40 years. Seth 
and oh, you want me to set the scene? Ryan are in the pool house, and we zoom in on our comics connection today. And there's so many to choose from, but the first shot of this episode is Plastic Man. Just a tight fucking shot on a issue of Plastic Man. And Seth says, at some point, I'm going to have to tell you the difference between Plastic Man and Elastic Man. And then they just move on. Like, that's not what I want to hear about for the next 44 minutes. Okay, so I know that you want to hear a little bit more of that, but you, instead of having, like, zero more conversation, you would have preferred 44 minutes of conversation. To watch Ryan react and Seth get more irate and Ryan be like, but that's dumb that they both have the same fucking power, right? Let's get into it. Uh, Plastic Man I learned about on, like, a Saturday morning cartoon. He hosted, like, TV when I was a kid. Like some sort of space ghost? Yeah, and I didn't know that he was an actual DC superhero. Elastic Man, I learned about much later in uh, some sort of crisis book. Probably some sort of infinite crisis. Infinite crisis. Identity crisis. Identity crisis, there you go, where um, his wife was oh. raped and burned to death. That Oh, yeah, Elastic Man's Ralph Dibney, mm-hmm. who's just like the cut up on The Flash yeah, right now. just Jim Carrey on The but Flash. They have no idea what horrific things are about to happen. And is she had little footprints on her brain? She had little footprints on her brain because... That was a wild comic. Somebody wild, with wild. Uh, shrinking powers. Somebody took over the Adam's brain mm-hmm. and made him step on her brain. What the fuck? And that bad guy, I believe... Doctor... Uh, his name was... And like I, apparently we were supposed to be taking this bad guy very seriously for years. Psycho Pirate. That was Psycho Pirate? The Psycho Pirate. I thought it was like Dr. Lightface. That feels like uh, less... Uh, like a villain and more like a K-Rock and I can mention them because they're world famous DJ. Like, doesn't that feel like, hey, three o'clock, you're listening to the Psycho Pirate. And there is Psycho Mike and they went, okay, you have to take the pirate out of your name. That's insane. Psycho Mike, fine. At least one half of that's a real person's name. I hate how that's the go-to when anybody says, all right, that part of your name you're going to have to change. Everyone's like, Mike? Uh, all right, fine. Make it Mike. Also, I'd, must, <laughs> I'd much rather listen to Mike Pirate and what he has to say about music than Psycho Mike. Were you born Pirate Gravano and they made you change it? Yes. And I'm like, this is my name. Have I told you this real last story? First grade. Let me set the scene. I'm in first grade. You already grade. did. It's first grade. We get it. You're eating paste. I show up eating paste. Uh, <laughs> I decide just to wear my pirate Halloween costume. It's probably April. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walk in. Uh, like... I do not have friends, uh, not because of this. This is a separate matter. Uh, I'm just w- waiting it's around before school to start uh, kicking rocks. And then some kid who looks eight feet tall is like, you can't wear that. It's like, what? Like thinking gang colors, what, what's going on? Because it's like black and red stripes. Uh, Hold on. Time out. You are in first grade. Mm-hmm. You have a first grade mentality? Yeah. Although it's sort of more like two-year-old slash 40-year-old mentality. Yeah. You're a diverse kid. Um, and this uh, a very large kid comes up to you and says, you can't wear that. And although you're so dumb that you would wear pirate clothes to school, you're smart enough to uh, be worried that you're wearing gang colors. Yeah, I was like, well, what's going on? And he's like, you're, you're breaking your dress code. And he, this is a fifth grader, I found out later, dragged me to the office and made the office call my mom. And I was like sobbing. I was like, in violation of the dress code. So I learned the word violation that day. And then later learned how I was actually violated that day. I love this kid because he's equal parts bully. Oh, yeah. And sash-wearing hall monitor. Yeah, like, it's he handled fucking that situation. child Dwight Schrute. And my uh, first grade teacher found out because my mom probably told her. And then she's like, well, we're starting to learn about pirates tomorrow, which was legit. Did not know. I would have been a goddamn hero to those people. But instead, this fucking fuck. So Pirate Mike died that day. How many times a week... Does this guy come up right before you're going to sleep? This is my shame spiral of the night. And my shame spiral is not fucking kicking him right in his fifth grade nads. 
You don't have nads when you're in fifth grade. I don't think they come in until much later. Okay. I think well, that's uh, the case for all people. The plastic fucking Ken spot where his nads will be eventually. Right in the Ken spot. Right in the Ken spot. Whoo! But they start talking about plastic, man. Oh, real quick. Um, Seth is like, oh, we shouldn't go to school because he doesn't want to deal with Marissa and Summer, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably going to have some opinions about them bailing all summer, uh, either going off on a ship or not going to grow up. And so what he says is, actually, uh, I've got, like, three months of a pull list here. He's got, yeah. like, two long boxes. Yeah, they are long. He's to bag and board them. And he says, I have, to, uh, I have a lot of bagging and boarding to do. I think that's one big difference between the two of us. Is you and that, Seth? No, me and you. Oh. Is that uh, you feel like a guy who would, like, uh, read the comic, mm-hmm. take it in the shower, bury it, do whatever to it. Whereas I was, if I got a comic, I would maybe read it, but I would make sure I fucking bagged and boarded it. I was the kind of guy who went to a comic book shop good enough that my pull list were bagged and boarded before I fucking bought those comics. Oh, so Seth needs to find a new comic shop. I thought he was a rich kid, but no, he has to bag it, get his own dirty fucking mitts on those. Is he driving a Chino for comics? Like, I what's think going he on might here? be. Have you ever sat there and bagged and boarded comics? No, hell no. That's never been like, oh, I got, I gotta, I gotta keep these pristine. I'm more of a user than a collector. In both people and things. No, I know, bud. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, that that mentality does not fight, and especially like you just let for three months. You let it. You carry. Are you going to read this shit? No, don't read it. You bag and board it so that you can one day sell it on eBay for three million dollars. Oh man, rain damage because you put it in a storage shed. It did not look at the ceiling, and there was a definite crack in that ceiling. Fuck you, Seth. <laughs> Seth's an asshole. That's a theme to every one of these shows. It's true. Uh, I do like Ryan is coming at Seth. Because he's like, well, Summer won't talk to me. And Ryan says, because you left for three months and didn't tell her. And he's like, well, we both left. He, Ryan's like, I, I dealt with Marissa and was about to have a kid. So fuck you. And it was delightful. And then Seth turns around to Ryan and goes, have you talked to Marissa? And Ryan just goes his classic Brent McKenzie look like, oh. <laughs> Seth is to Ryan as uh, like uh, the superhero shows that we watch are to uh, The Sopranos and The Wire. In that, like, they watch what happens. They think that they learn, but they learn all the wrong lessons. They take the wrong stuff away and then repeat the wrong stuff and think that, oh, that makes me like Mm -hmm. you then, right? No. They continue their conversation into the kitchen, which is still not done, and Sandy is pissed. And Archie's part of the family now. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Archie a little. Is he helpful? Do you hate him? Well, I like him less now that I found out that he wrote Green Book, but... uh, (laughs) The, uh, this is the episode where we find out that like Archie was just glomming money from the family, yeah. right? Like he's running a little scam here. Yeah, and he, you don't buy him, so it turns out he got the wrong size piece, so he couldn't do a thing. And Ryan fixed it. He fucking freaks out yes. on Ryan. So first of all, we have one of those classic awesome adults who, if a kid is correct or corrects him, then you freak out yeah. and even like, in front of the kid's parents, threaten to fight them. And then we also have one of those classic people who's like, uh, "Sure, I've been milking thousands of dollars from you, but I would like to bring up that I drove your kids to school that one time." Yeah. Oh, thank you, Archie. Now it's all oh, fucking even. So you didn't do it to be nice. You did it to get one over on all us guys. So fuck you, Archie, and the mook you rode in on. You think mooks ride other mooks? Mooks gonna be riding mooks. They don't respect anything, least of all each other. I'm allowed to say that. I'm half mook myself. Mm-hmm. You can't say that. I would never say that. Tread carefully. I, I, I'm treading so carefully. There's an interest, and I guess class shows up a lot because they are high schoolers throughout the OC. But this episode attacks it head on because Seth and Ryan look embarrassed to show up in the back of a construction truck at mm-hmm. school. And it's not just we're worried because we're running into our ex-girlfriends. We are worried that everybody's staring us do this. It 
was a weird fucking moment. Of all the other things that the entire high school can think about Ryan and Seth, I don't know if showing up in a pickup truck is something that they have to worry about, but they do. That's what they're worried about. And then the second class thing, jumping ahead, is... Second period? Second period. Homeroom is done. We're here. We're in it. We're already sick of the day. School sucks. I'm so glad it really I'm not does, in school. Yeah. Uh, is Marissa, we find out, has been hooking up with DJ, the hot gardener from last episode, and doesn't want anybody to know because he's the yard guy. And because Summer says it, and that's what fucking pisses Marissa off at school because she's like, don't tell anybody. And Summer, it's fucking Summer, Queen Newport herself is like, is it because he's the yard guy? Fucking chill out. I love Summer. Okay, so yeah, that was my question. Um, do you think that Summer is coming from a place of, oh my God, get over Ryan, I have to get over Seth, fuck that smoking hot dude? Mm-hmm. Or do you think she's coming more from a place of, that's taboo, isn't that interesting? That, you think that Summer doesn't care about the taboo part of... No, I think Summer's telling Marissa to get off the high horse. It doesn't matter that he's the yard guy. Abs matter. Abs matter. More than class. And it's weird that nobody's saying he's probably 26. That also matters. But that's neither here nor there. That's us guessing. Maybe he's like Ryan. He's a high schooler who just happens to have a full-time job. Don't you think, though, it's hard for these kids, these kids in this situation, to ignore the fact? Like, can DJ go to prom with Marissa? Or maybe the winter formal that might come up soon? Like, is don't you think that that is so extreme for them? Yeah, I, I guess it's just they're all fucking rich snobs then. And that makes me hate all of them. Because... With the exception of Ryan, Marissa doesn't really do things in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. She does them to get over Ryan or uh, fuck with Julie. Right. So wouldn't this do both of those things then? I guess so, yeah. But I mean, she truly is worried about the other fucking rich shit kids will think about her dating somebody below her. And then when it all comes to blows and it seems like her and DJ have to have a conversation, mm-hmm. this is towards the end of the episode, Marissa is in tears. Yeah. And the problem with that is that uh, this is like the fifth time Marissa's been in tears in this episode. So it's sort of kind of hard to tell. Like, does she care about DJ or is she just so used to reacting like, oh, what is this, a conversation? Hold on. Let, she, me, uh, let me get a semi. Let me get the tears going. And she then just I'll gets have it. overwhelmed by everything and just does not have any coping mechanism. Also, DJ is trying to have a conversation with her like 40, 50 feet away from the pool. How's she going to throw furniture in there? That's, that's how she has conversations. She's like, I have to sprint around the pool to throw the furniture? What what about my lines? What about my needs, DJ? And then it just becomes a Mario Party game where she grabs the furniture, runs it all the way to the pool, runs but back. But he's moved then, and then there's no more stars. They're fucking on the other side of the house. Of course. You know how stars are. You know how stars are. We need to take a goddamn break. But when we come back, rewind, because we're at the end of the episode. Go back to the beginning of the episode. You know how it is. You want me to start the next segment from the beginning of this episode? Welcome to the OCD bitch. We all need a little help sometimes, and you can help us. That's so saying the Beatles? Yes. In their hit song, Help Me Please, Rhonda? Help Me Please, Rhonda. You're my only hope? <laughs> Stop giving me flat tires. Parentheses, not the car kind. You keep stepping on my heels. Is that what Rhonda's thing is? Yeah, Rhonda, all Rhondas mm-hmm. fucking love giving flat tires. Like there's some sort of middle school bully named Devin. Well, they... Uh, their name is Rhonda. Yeah. And they look at tires and they're like, oh, those are Rhonda. And so I don't want them to be Rhonda. So they flatten them. Because there can only be one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rhonda or Rhonda. And they've never walked in a rotunda. No. 
And just like that song reminds me that we also need a little help sometimes, Ryan. What are ways our listeners can help us? You could send us Beatles songs so we know what they actually sing. Now, I live in the Yesterday universe now. I don't know any Beatles song ever. Um, you can go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. You can make that your new Amazon bookmark. Order things from there. Yes. Let's do like a real quick rundown of every single thing that's on Amazon. Zip ties. I think that's it. They have everything from A to zip tie. <laughs> and it's a zip tie it's to zip, a ties. zip ties. <laughs> so that's your new Amazon way. You can also go over to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter and get all kinds of extra little tidbits, bonus shows, articles, and farticles, and sometimes t-shirts. It's your. De- it's really your decision. How much is the tier where we just give you less content? Like, <laughs> less content <laughs> than the less. person who is zero. $30 a month. That's, that's a pretty good deal. We'll give you less. We'll be in your ears and eye holes less. We'll pretend that we only do like one 20-minute podcast a week. That's every, and it's just solemnly reading the news. I don't even know how to sound solemn. Uh, I think you do like, is that where it's like solemnly reading born on a breeding? Yep. Is that it? You know. Do we have any more commercials to do, Mike? <laughs> and finally, help us out by rating and reviewing the very show you're listening to right now, wherever you get your podcast. Rate it, review it, subscribe it, tell your friends. Let us know you told your friends. Be a mensch. Let your friends let them know you told them. Bye. So let's flip it back to the start. The boys show up at school. Summer's pissed, walks away. And Marissa's generally, genuinely excited in a shocking way. She's like, hey, how are you guys? Which was awesome to see Miss Tears a lot just be in a moment for a second. Well, there's a couple things going on with Marissa. Um, one, she isn't deep enough mm-hmm. to hold, like, keep the grudges intact. And two, it's fucking Unless you're her mom. It's fucking insane what she's seen. Like, Seth and Ryan just show up in school. Yeah. It's it's hard to remember that you have a grudge and just like, oh, my God. Yeah, because she assumed one was in Portland and one was in Chino about to have a baby. Right. And then, again, like, everybody should forgive Ryan more than Seth in general, but specifically here, his reason for leaving was legit. Uh, and him and Marissa had numerous talks uh, about her being like, tell me. And he's like, it's complicated. But there's only, there's like two options, right? And so she's just like, oh, shit, this guy I care about probably needs me. Plus, she does love him, and she's probably tanked right now. And so she's just like, let's hang out after school. He's like, yeah. She's like, it's a date. And you're like, oh, shit. Yes. We've talked so much shit on the boys. For this, like, for all 41 episodes of the OCD, uh, a little bit of shit on the girls is that they're both in love in unhealthy ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marissa too much showing, like, she's just, like, head over heels, will do anything. And then Summer too. Like, she uh, plays games and does little things. Like, is she, does she like Zach? Or does she like that Zach is in the way of Seth? Uh, no, because she started hanging out with Zach. I do think she thought Seth was gone. Because he didn't talk to her for months, called her on 4th of July, and went, yeah, I did leave. And then that was the end of that. So I don't think Zach was originally a speed bump for Seth. So if you're Zach right now in this episode, you're feeling comfortable about your relationship and that the relationship is going to go on fine, even though that Seth is back? I think so, because one, he barely knows about him, so maybe that's sketchy is he doesn't know history. But once he does, the summer is awesome and stands up for herself in the big climate. Because Seth is like, I'll jump on another thing and declare my love for you. And she's like, please don't, please don't, please don't. Uh, And then the speech of, you only want me when you don't want me. And then also because he he pined for her his whole fucking life. and But for her to turn an entire season and be like, here's what happened. 
you didn't you ditch me for Anna, and then you ditch me because Ryan left. Anytime I'm actually around, you don't want me. You've been ashamed of me in front of people before. Fuck you. You want the game. And Seth looks so hurt. She's only right. She's not misconstruing any of that shit. No, she did say that one. No, she's only no. 100% right. Uh, we've had, like, what, five times where we said, all right, now Summer is an official cast mm-hmm. member. Uh, most of them have been, like, about comedy and charisma right. and rapport. This is, like, her moment with Seth in the parking lot, like... Summer is a cast member. Summer now. is a cast member. And then why I like Zach in this episode, because he's just like this bumbly water polo guy through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not jockey dick, but not. He's a little vanilla. He's a little vanilla. He joins Seth's comic book club. And he's like, and Seth's like, does the, the, a very prevalent thing now of you would like comic books? And he's like, yeah. And he like quizzes him and he's like, here's all the things I think about Superman. He's like, but you play water polo. And he's like, I don't know why that matters. In a way, it feels like Zach does not know what show he's on. Because right. he's like, what? I like different things. Uh, but at the end, in a very cool way for a fucking 16-year-old to deal with it, he's just like, hey, did you hear what Summer said? You got to back off, Seth. Right. And not in a way that we're done forever. He's just like, you're being a dickhead. Mellow out. That is, no 16-year-old deals with another 16-year-old's ex-boyfriend like that. In, uh, in real life, there's two ways that you handle this. So Seth is coming on strong, and Summer has like explicitly said, with no confusion, Get away from me. Yes. And so if you're in Zach's position as Summer's boyfriend, there's typically two ways in real life that you handle this. You uh, find a corner to hide behind. Sure. My favorite. Or uh, I'm the man and then just try to kick the fuck out of Seth. Yeah. But what he does is he just says, like, "Uh, look at the situation, dude. Um, dude. You have to leave now. Right? And, like... In full righteousness. Yeah. There's no no argument against Zach. It's not anger. Yeah. It's just like, here are the facts. Please listen. Pro Zach. For that vanilla cream puff. Yeah, I mean, I don't love him so far as a character, but uh, as far as drama and that righteousness goes, mm-hmm. like he's he's on the right pace. Do you want? Should we tell everybody a little bit more about him, or have we covered it all at this point? No, let's do it. Let's do it. Ask me a question. What? What do you? Do think I my... think that he is the Lego maniac? Yes. It's hard to say. I uh, I'm gonna hold off for one more week because I have more research to do. Okay. There are many Zacks. One of them is the Lego Maniac. I'm not sure if it's him. Well, how do you feel about his argument pro-Superman? I thought that the scene where Seth tries to make Zach prove his comic book worthiness uh, was pretty bad on both ends. Mm-hmm. Seth, obviously, because he's an asshole for making him do it. Right. And Zach for giving more vanilla arguments. Like, okay, cool. Like, he shouldn't have to do that, but right. also... These are things that like everybody has thought if you've read a comic book. And also, more than Thoughts on Superman, he said his favorite writer is Bendis. So, let's all fucking be friends. It's early 2000s. We all love Bendis. Let's move on. The silliest fucking shit they do, and this is as Seth figures out that Summer's with Zach. They're all walking away from a uh, great comic book club. And Zach, it's, and it's like filler line. They're, they're ending a conversation. What do he say? He says, I'll get you those Green Lantern JPEGs. And runs over to Summer and kisses her. What? The fuck does any of that mean? Seth can't just fucking hotmail or whatever Google was back then, Green Lantern JPEGs? So somehow Zach struck AOL gold. Just, oh, and he's found the he's six got the sweetest sweet... Green Lantern JPEGs. Oh, you know he's got Hal Jordan. And so he expects uh, Seth to go home, sit in front of his dial-up computer uh-huh. for two hours until those JPEGs come in. Oh, is there going to be a Kyle Radner? God, I hope so. And, like... <laughs> 
they read comic books, which is like uh, dialogue with a bunch of pictures, mm-hmm. like nonstop pictures. What are these six JPEGs going to offer that you wouldn't get in any I, issue of Greenland? You can make them his computer background. Were these writers like I don't uh, uh, look up like a, look up a computer word real quick? Comic plus technology equals Green Lantern's JPEGs. And back then we were probably like they know about JPEGs. It's my favorite line of dialogue in years. Don't worry, I'll get you those Green Lantern JPEGs. What the shit? It could be Newport sex code. Ooh, Maybe that means a different that thing. That definitely means something. Because they don't want to tell Ryan. Uh-huh. They're like, well, you're one of us. We're not really one of us. Uh, and then Seth freaks out because he sees Zach is dating Summer. And he says, she's dating the wasp version of me. Stance on that? Do you buy that? Do you think that's her attracting that he's conventionally handsome Seth? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, Seth comes with a lot of baggage. You know, yeah. there's a lot that you have to deal with. And we have, over the course of this podcast, been haters. Mm-hmm. We have, throughout the course of our lives, been likers. But no matter what, however you feel about Seth, there's a lot that comes with it. And Zach brings the vanilla, but he doesn't bring the other stuff. Right. You know, and what Summer's looking for is like somebody who's nice to her and do, is open. Do you promise that you like won't get on a boat? Do you promise that you won't obsess and then unobsess and obsess and then get on a boat and leave? That's Zach. And yeah, I think Zach, if he has an issue, would approach Summer, where Seth obviously does not, to the point that Ryan gives some fucking sandy wisdom and he just says, pick up the phone and call her. Be her friend. Ryan Atwood, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, I mean, as the almost father of a kid, he is maturing very he quickly. He knows, and he's just treating like Seth like that baby boy he lost. Oh, that's sad. And I can complain in this particular episode mm-hmm. about how vanilla Zach is. He does get more three-dimensional. Get a little um, beans. But I'm very glad that, like, uh, Zach, whoever Summer's going out with, isn't the Jay Leno kid from the first season. Right, or nobody needs more Danny. All Alpha... Uh, like water polo jock, you know. Like I think it's awesome that they made Zach a nice, likable guy. Yes, even though he has that weird wavy hair, I'll never understand. Zach is my orange couture of the evening because the teenager in a button-up shirt that he refuses to button up with a plain T-shirt underneath is so fucking Orange County. It is crazy. I had a flashback in my nosebleed. I forgot that style existed. And I was like, oh, yeah, kids are like, well, I guess I should dress up. But I'm not tucking it in yeah. or buttoning it. I love that, like, am I casual? Am I business? You don't Who, know, you don't motherfucker. Know. Do I own stocks? Do I own your ass? I'm getting out of here. I have a surfboard and a briefcase. Ryan, we do have to take a break, but don't worry. I'll get you those Green Lantern JPEGs. <laughs> Ryan, let's finish out talking about Ryan. Because not only is he here as a Jiminy Cricket for Seth and going on his own journey with Marissa of, hey, I'm back, let's date. What? You kiss the gardener? Maybe we should both be alone. Not a class thing. Ryan's just saying you need things to figure out. It's not a class thing because I guarantee you that that gardener uh, lives in uh, a house that's twice as good right. as Ryan's Chino shithole. Ryan's Chino shithole didn't even have furniture. It just had trash everywhere. Uh what, yeah, why in Chino do you keep the furniture outside of the house and the trash inside of the rains. house? Because uh, that's where it rains. Get that furniture clean. Ryan has to have a meeting with a new dean, not Dean Kim. Uh, this is a much more supportive, friendly dean. Uh, James Dean. And she is pushing Ryan to think about college, a thing he has never thought about before. Are you doing a goddamn comics connection right now? Are we out of those because we talked about bag- bagging and boarding? Well, yeah, we talked about Plastic Man. What's your comics connection? That Dean, mm-hmm. that so-called Dean, you just throw the word around Dean, and I have seen no paperwork of hers, uh, that is like the uh, DA from Daredevil Season 2 that tried to bring the whole vigilante thing down. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that 
subplot. She was never like, hey, Matt Murdock, you're doing really good. Do you want to be an architect? She was always like, fuck you, Daredevil. Fuck you, Daredevil. You'll never be an architect. She's got a lot of range. Uh, She lays the bomb on him, and it shows what a vanilla person he is. She says, well, I don't know. What are you interested in? And he went, "Uh, I got to think about that one. Pull-ups? No, I don't even do that anymore. I don't like music. Uh, As a sophomore... What did you think your life would be? What college plans did you have? As a sophomore, mm-hmm. that's a good question. Because I think at sophomore, I still had like bright, sunny, I'm going to do the normal thing plans. What is the normal thing? It, you know, like go to a good college. And by the, by the time what? I was a junior, I knew that I was either going, no, I was both going to a junior college and uh, selling meth. But as a that sophomore, junior, sophomore, I think that like I thought that I was going to go to USC Film? Second string quarterback of the film okay. department. Second string quarterback of the I film just department. throw film reels just at people. throw fucking reel to reels. But you didn't have like a job like this is it. Or sophomore, you knew film. Sophomore, yeah. I thought that I was going to uh, win so many Oscars that I was going to build a house out of Oscars. But I just didn't have an architect who's going to design my Oscar house. To have Oscar the house? Uh-huh. <laughs> it would live in a trash can. This is, Ryan is on his way to being a rom-com trope because he wants to be an architect because so many little things happen because she's like, what are you interested in? And he's like, nothing. And can I, can I tell you, I know a lot of teachers. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but like for some reason... That's your crew? A lot of my friends grew up to be teachers and... Uh, this, they can't do? This dean, because <laughs> they can't do. Uh, so they fish, right? Uh-huh. If you can't teach fish. Um, teach this, the fish to water. This dean is looking at like Ryan's journal and it's like all crayon and misspelled uh-huh. words. And she's like, oh, my God, please, I just want to turn He's the like, page. He's like, I know I'm not good at this. I'm so sorry. She's like, no, it's fine. We're going to figure it out. And then she's like, oh, I just want to turn the page, and like maybe this kid will disappear. And then she turns the page, and there's like a whole design of a mansion. Uh-huh. She's like, oh, thank God, <laughs> architect. But you didn't do this, did you? Uh, Who'd you steal this from? And I did love He, She's like, what is this? And he's like, this is what I was doing when I should have been doing what you asked me to, which is a great people out there. If you don't know what you want to do in your life, what is the thing you do? When you should be doing anything else. Masturbation. It's okay, so try to figure out how to do that for a living. Uh, Like some sort of James Dean. But that's a great way. And then her being like, here's all your AP classes. You'll need them when you'll be an architect. Mike, I cannot tell you. Well, I can't tell the audience. I can tell you, but I can't tell the audience. How much time you and I have spent discussing Pop Filter Hall of Famer Nick Miller's random law degree. Mm -hmm. How he's just like this biggest fucking loser, and we still love him. And it's partly because we think that he's hilarious, but also because he backs up the fact that we're also losers. Yeah, and then that's he, okay. He also has this law degree. Did that any of this strike you as that? Like, just throw this random, crazy, awesome thing that Ryan's good at just because you can't just be a loser. You got to have something like... I think this all kind of lines up with... This didn't feel like a betrayal of Ryan that we know. It felt it's, like a natural character arc. He's architect- architecture. He... Worked in construction season one and continued through this. He's talked about that kind of stuff before. Like, he's dealt with visual things. He, talking to Kirsten, like, the second episode was like, oh, can you build me one of those? And he was, like, giving his opinion on model homes. And then they had him fixing Archie's problems in this episode, which freaked Archie out. And he fixed the fucking problem right there. Like, this all lines up with who he's a... And I grew up with dudes who were bad at school, but were really good with their hands and visual. Yes. This is all real shit. I really like the idea of uh, like standardized testing. Definitely tells you who is good at standardized testing. Right. I don't know what you want to do with that information, but uh, the people who are bad at standardized testing, you really have no information no about idea. them. Because he's got like this sort of like 
uh, preternatural neo matrix green lines way of looking at a house. Mm-hmm. But and that's why people don't make sense to him because they move and they're fluid. But houses, you do this, you do this, it works. And he, you can watch him as he interacts with everybody. He's like, if I do these three steps, mm-hmm. it all fix. And then when that doesn't happen, he's like, I don't know why. Yeah, if it doesn't She's go throwing furniture to the pool, if it doesn't go. Uh, according to the blue plan that I had already created in mm-hmm. my head, then I'm going to punch something, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, everything has to move. And it's all logical. It all right. makes sense. But if there's a change, Ryan doesn't know what to do. So that's half of Ryan. And then there's also, not half, because there's a bunch of things that we've talked about. He goes 44%. to Marissa. And I fucking love, not Marissa, Summer. I love when characters we don't see talk. And I know. That scene of them just realizing they don't talk a lot was bananas and just being really honest because they don't have skin in each other's game at all except like, well, we care about people who we care about. And Summer being like, go back to the way things were because that's what he's like. What if we all just hang out as friends? She's like, there's no, she's like, even if Seth hadn't moved, even if you hadn't moved, Seth and I would be done because look at him and look at me and the way we are. She's like, there's no way in fucking any future that things are exactly the way they are. Also, do you remember last year? It mostly wasn't that great. That scene was dope. Yeah, and then what we have at the end is we did go back to the thing, the way things were because although uh-huh. the relationships aren't the same, like it's just shitty, awful life. Everybody's like, mad. We about did everything. go back to the way that it was. Uh, but the whole Ryan and Summer thing, like we all have our very close friends that we can go to Chipotle with or get Starbucks with, and then we have our group of friends. But the fact that like we never look around and say like that person that's in my group. I'm not actually friends with yeah. them, you know? Like, Ryan and Summer talking, like, they definitely can't talk to each other like Ryan and Seth can or Ryan and Marissa can. And maybe they can all, like, group hang, and I'm sure they interact with each other, but it's very fluffy light. They definitely don't have the rapport that, like, Caitlin and Caleb have. No. Those two together. Like, how is that not a show? Oh, I would fucking love And it's just giving each other and anybody they meet advice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> is this, like, a radio show? Like a, oh, yeah. A Caitlin sex and hotline? Caleb in the morning? Morning sex. It's all about specifically morning sex. Man, uh, my alarm just went off, and I have a sex question. No. Oh, <laughs> alopecia. China is there. Jante alopecia. Jante alopecia is also there. Uh, we do have to take a break, but when we come back, let's let's mellow out and see what those crazy redheads Jimmy and Haley are up to. There are so many things out there in the world, and we make most of them. And I bet you want to give your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Make sure that you're talking into the pop filter. So, studio audience, who's looking away for a second, or listeners, or guy in the back who was sneezing so he couldn't see. My pop filter fell off my mic, but I caught it and kept talking into that. Pulling the mic away from you. <laughs> I got confused and scared. Yeah, I know. If you're confused and scared, we're here to help. Not legally, we can't really help you or give advice, but reach out. At your pop filter on Twitter. What are other ways they could reach out to us? You can email us at contact at yourpopfilter.com. Let us know that <laughs> maybe uh, these live reads aren't going well. <laughs> or, I don't know why we wrote this script like this. Or call our robot associates. Uh, or we're not doing that anymore. Don't call them. Well, we're just for this last time, call yeah. them. 1562 Dr. DJ Pop. We're going to take them behind the robot shed, put a robot bullet in his robot brain. Wait, do you think that when they go out and kill dogs, they take them out behind a dog shed yes. made of dogs? Yeah. Dogs do shed, though. In the summertime, Roomba's going crazy. In Southern California, that's cruel. You shouldn't do that. Put it down. I think it's cute, but put that shit down. (laughs) Take it behind the dog shed. (laughs) And kill it. Let us know. 
Let us know what. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. So I know it's been a while because we just took a break. So the audience, because you're like whatever commercials we have. Uh, Mike's mattress is one of our commercials. You can buy a Mike's mattress or whatever. I we do. all over it. But I felt like when you ended the last segment, mm-hmm. you were a little fucking snarky about two gingers going out, and you were very nervous about the kids that they could potentially create and how ugly they would be. No. Do you think that ginger babies are awful-looking people? No. One, I know how dominant genes work, so those kids are coming out brown-headed for sure. But because two, Haley fucked the mailman? Haley fucked the mailman. Also, Jimmy and Haley are smoking hot people. Tady D with that little beard and just Haley with a little as Haley is, uh, they are gorgeous boat-living people. Again, well, first of all, if you live boat on a living, boat, you're boat smoking hot. Uh, second of all, I don't... You have always, since day one, had a Haley thing. And yeah. I, is it... Is it her personalities, her looks? Is it her name? There's something about you and Haley we've that you just <laughs> love. We'll never figure it out, and we've definitely had this talk before, off uh, and on air. I would say once every twenty OCDs, we would talk just about we should talk about your thing this. with uh, Haley. I just I'm just really into Haley. I she's love flexible. Haley being basically created so soap opera can happen, uh-huh. right? Like she's just a soap opera glob that moves yes. around. And then in this episode, does the one thing that you can never do in a soap opera. Grow up. She looks Jimmy in the eye and says, here are the facts and here is the truth. That's crazy. And here's the people and here's the church. Uh, he walks out. How interested they're on a boat. And he just walks out with mimosas already stumbling, making pirate jokes. And you're like, fucking Jimmy. And I, yeah, I think the ultimate Jimmy's got a Jimmy is uh, things are great and they always will be. Right. The second he gets that attitude, everything's going downhill. That's yeah, Jimmy. You cursed yourself, but only for Jimmy. Oh, Everyone yeah. else is gonna get better. For the first like, time, gonna move on his to great spiral things. isn't gonna hurt anybody else. Also, he's he's doing real well in his portfolio. I hope motherfuckers paying people off. Like he should still be in jail, right? And then like, a stock portfolio is where you paint pictures of stocks and put them in your mm-hmm. like art portfolio. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I don't, don't want to. Who's buying? And we mean pic- old school like 1600 stocks, the wooden things that you'd put witches in. Like, is there a big market the for head. that? Oh yeah, people love that. That's the anti Bob Ross. It's the new Rothko. It's just real fucking violent. Uh, while he's walking out, be like, we're gonna live forever. Haley's on the phone being like, I know I need to leave him. I just don't know how to tell him yet. And you're like, oh, shit. And he didn't hear anything because he's just like, I'm Jimmy with a beard. Let's keep drinking. Uh, and then Haley tells Kirsten before Jimmy, Kirsten's range of Haley's. She In that scene, she basically only says her sister's name in so many different tones. It Oscar worthy. I know this is a TV show, but from the Haley, Haley, Haley. Haley. Oh, man, Keith. Haley. Haley. All of them. God damn it, all of them. And then, yes, this is Haley growing up. She says, I'm too young for early retirement. And Jimmy just kind of seems stuck. So at 25, she's realizing everything that's wrong with Jimmy Cooper. So this is our version, because we're not Haley. We're very not Haley. So this is our version of realizing that we have played World of Warcraft for six months straight. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have three. And it was great. Jars of urine in our room. And those are great. And (laughs) those are great. And uh, maybe it's time to, like, go do a thing. Just... the most important part, maybe even more important than uh, her looking a different character in the eye and telling the truth, is her when Jimmy says, "All right, we can move there," and her being like, "Nah, nah, this is gonna, this is gonna be the Haley show." Uh, this is my Jimmy's gun. Jimmy is. She says, "I'm." He says, "You're asking me to move to Japan." She goes, "No," and he goes, "Let's get married." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you listening to anything she just fucking said, bro? Why is that? Is that a real life thing? Like it is in a uh, in TV, like. That's always everybody's first. I just wa- was watching HBO's Succession, uh-huh. and that happened on that show. Like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Uh, let's get married. 
I think I believe in real romance, but I don't, and I know people who also do, and I believe in their relationships, and everybody talked about the wedding and proposal way before that hit. Nobody panicked or surprised. You communicate and you know the way this relationship is going. You fucking psycho pirates. There's no way you're just allowed to say, let's get married and it'll fix things. Do you know the real reason? Why? It, what, what are we, 2005? Yeah. And Fox, hot on the heels of the OC. Let's just, and you know how Fox does, but Xerox the OC uh, was going to come out with a show called North Shore starring Haley. Oh, really? So she, she got Japan? a uh, star. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, the actress who plays Haley. Oh, I thought it was a spinoff. Not a spinoff. Oh, okay. Uh, there should have been so many no spinoffs. No C-verse, yeah, man. There's no, there's no spinoffs. But yeah, she had to go star in a show. That lasted um, like six episodes. And then, but then you can come back. Or are you just so like, you don't want to droopy dog your way back in and be sad? I, am I like so old that I have no problem with that? Droopy dog back in. Yeah. Go get that job. You know, they pay you when you act. Go Nick, get that job. Nick Blood showed up on S.H.I.E.L.D. again three seasons later when his spinoff didn't work out, and he was just happy to be there. And before that, he was like a bodyguard on the set. Like, just go get a job. I'm just, I'm just like being around you guys. Please, I'll grip anything you want me to grip. I'm here, man. We have enough time that we're going to just jump to adults. Let's check in with Caleb, the Grinch of Newport Beach. When we meet him in this episode, he is... Shit-faced at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. He's just drinking a bottle of scotch and yells at Sandy for trying to take... And Sandy and Cal just show up and hang out with each other all of the time now. Sandy, I think, needs friends he's allowed to just be a real dickhead to. And Cal just needs anybody around him. And Sandy can't do that thing. Sandy has uh, a heart so big it's a fault. Mm-hmm. And can't like he walks in and he'll say something snarky. But after like five minutes... Now he's just your friend. Yeah. I know that you fucked me over 72 so times. So many times. But come on, let's just hang out. Try to break up my marriage so many times. And so they put Caleb to bed at 11 in the morning, and Julie finds out oh, that uh, like the cops are coming. And is second this, husband in a row. We have gotten some, uh, like, uh, some whiffs of Julie is sort of a shitty person, but is this mm-hmm. the first dose of, oh, this is a super villain? Yeah, because Sandy's like, he's a wreck, I know. Sorry, I try. I had to feed him before, uh, but I'll help you guys out. And she goes, "No, you won't. You hate me, and you hate him. This is what you want." And he's like, "No, I'm going to be his lawyer for free, probably." And she goes, "If he goes down, we're taking care." She doesn't say, "We're I'll take Kirsten down," but she says, "If he goes down, you know Kirsten's going to jail too." She says, "If heavily implied, if he goes down, I'll go down on Kirsten." Is that what she said? Yeah, and she knows that's not what Sandy wants. Uh, they tried swinging, not I- into it. I have to stop writing fanfic because I can't tell the difference anymore. Can't stop, won't stop. But uh, the thing is, is that Sandy's first reaction to everything is, all right, I'll be your friend. I'll be and your boy. this is where we start to see that Julie's first reaction is, fuck I'll you, fuck that, I'm going to burn the whole thing down. It's not, oh, I'll divorce him. It's, I'll squeeze everything I can from everybody around me. If Julie had just stopped for 30 seconds, Sandy could have been like, here's the plan, yeah. here's what we're going to do. But she can't. And what Kirsten is her best friend, and this is her. I think the minute she married Cal, she knew she sold her soul, and she went, "Well, I'll never be a human being to anybody ever again." But she's a little Trumpian in that uh, it doesn't take a lot of thought. She doesn't want to use thought. If you threaten first, people won't stop to think about if there's any validity behind it. They'll <clears> just they'll just like react. Uh, they'll just get scared to uh, about it. So is it vulnerability? She's afraid of that and help, so she's chasing everybody away. And yeah, and then like loves the power, like. There's so many different types of noopsies she wants to be, mm-hmm. and she's not good at it, so she just does this one. She'll she's the burn bully. burn the noops down? Yeah. 
before anybody else can help because that means they have something on her. Yeah, and earning respect is hard and takes time, so I will just demand that you give it to me now. Do you buy... So at the end, uh, the parents, uh, Kiki and Sandy and Cal, are sitting on the floor eating mushu pork, which is what the Coens fucking love to eat all the time, and... Seth walks in and is shocked that Caleb is on the ground eating, but even more shocked that cops come for him. I know everybody's a little surprised, and he played it cool. He's like, yes, officers, I'll come with you. Let mm-hmm. me put on my jacket. Well, when they walk in, he says the most Caleb thing ever. What took you so yeah, long? Really? You've got to take the time no, to say that? That's bo- I'm going to, no matter what, even if I'm pulled over, I'm going to say that. <laughs> that is baller as hell. If I'm just crossing the street against a cop, like, we're not even looking what at each other. I'm going to so say, what long? took you so long? You just see one in a donut shop. What took you so long? Uh, Seth looks very hurt and confused. Does he not know how criminal and evil his granddad is? I think that as we have been watching Kiki's um, uh, fantasies about her dad crumble, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen them build up in Seth. Like, it's just forceful unawareness. Because in the beginning, he's like, yeah, my grandpa's kind of a piece of shit. Was like Anna his conscious and reminded of him of how bad he was? I guess, yeah. And then now he's just like, whatever, he's still grandpa, and just whistles away. And now Cal's going to jail, and that's kind of how it ends. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. Do you have any wrap-ups, final words, things we need to get to? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of things real quick, if you will. Will you? I will. You did ask me, right? I did. So like that... Uh, Props to Marissa for um, Irishing up a latte on campus. Oh, yeah. That's some hardcore Marissa Cooper shit. Um, a big thing between these teenage couples is did you or didn't you have sex? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if you were in love or not, but did you have sex? And Ryan seems to uh, allude to the fact that uh, him and Teresa did not. Right. Is that – do we buy that? Like, So he went because she's about to have right. his baby. But they did not we, – We saw them at the end of summer – and they were very weird and cold. But I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I is he such a, a paragon uh, of virtue that he wouldn't be like, well, we grew up together. We're having a baby. We do, have loved each other. Fuck it. We're doing this. But I just think that, like, it was three months. Uh-huh. Three months without sex just, like, is very clearly, oh, we are just in forced roles, and I guess we'll just do this for the At rest of 17, our lives. At 17, that's the saddest thing in the goddamn world. What would you have had sex with when you were 17? What? What would you have had sex with when you were 17? Anything. Dolphins? Anything. (laughs) Man, you just rock hard all of the time. Just veins out. And also, Ryan has had, in some cases, infinitely more sex than everybody he hangs out with. Has ever met? Yeah. Yeah. So... That uh, that, sort of broke my heart. Like They didn't have (laughs) sex. It's it's a really crippling relationship. They should just be on each other's teenage bodies all the time. Oh, and then is this the episode where... No, that was the last episode where Teresa calls him. We're still waiting yeah. for baby Ryan to be born. Still waiting for BR to be B. Uh, I have some awards. Magical music moment. Sufjan Stevens, To Be Alone With You. It's Kiki, Kiki and Sandy are talking. And it's great because she basically... Julie and Cal happen, showing how bad it can be. And then, apropos of nothing, she's like, Sorry I took all my everything out on you all summer. With a moving, a moving musical number behind it, and then into Ryan and Seth talking. Everybody should just go listen to Soup John Stevens. It wasn't actually a big bombastic hit for the show, but I fucking love that song. Uh, Sandy Wisdom, after chewing Archie out, uh, Kirsten walks in and she's like, you were scared. He goes, I'll call him and apologize in the morning. Just know when you fucked up and handle that shit. And then I have a Why Don't You Pour Another One, Kirsten, brought to you by Caleb. 
it, it's just drinking a bottle of scotch and telling Sandy he'll bite his hand off if he tries to take it away from him. It runs in the family, turns out. When you step up to a person at the bar that you know, maybe you like them, maybe you don't, but they are in leave the bottle, half the bottle's gone uh, situation. I assume they're in the middle of a hard case, and they are a PI, and I didn't know about it. So your options are sit down at the bar and finish the bottle with them, or whoop, right around and leave the restaurant. What is your most likely oh. choice? Woo. Probably finish the bottle with them. Finish the bottle with the them. Worst, the worst option is sit down next to them and not drink. Fuck that. Definitely leave before that. But finish the bottle with them. Your arch enemy is Dan Staversky, uh-huh. uh, the guy who works at Trader Joe's. If he has half a bottle at the bar, you still sit down? Oh, yeah. And I order another bottle. He's clearly going through some things. But do you sit down and, like, help him through it? Or do you just make fun of Dan Saversky because he's going through some things? Dan Saversky! Maybe working at Trader Joe's isn't that great, Mm, All you did was rub it in my face, and I just wanted that goddamn kale. Dan Saversky. When am I getting that fucking yogurt spinach dip back? You said it was discontinued, and I know you're holding out on me. I thought spinach dip had to have artichoke until I went to Trader Joe's. They do weird things, That's some good dip. They do whatever the fuck they want over there. Dan Stravinsky. But no, honestly, fuck that guy. Yeah, he's the worst. He's the GDW. You you work at Trader Joe's to like make a living and help people, not to like uh, run around Just town bragging it about over. it. Oh, we got the brown eggs. Uh. You want to know what's going on next week, Ryan? More brown eggs. More goddamn brown eggs. For Seth pulls off a magnanimous gesture for Summer and then blows it. Classic Seth. Lindsay and Ryan become physics lab partners. Lindsay! Lindsay! And share some romantic chemistry. In physics? That's the wrong science, kids. And Caleb is embattled and he names Julia's Newport group C. Uh-oh! All that and more on next week's The O-C-D. Late-tro, stay gay, dads. I'll get you those Green Lantern JPEGs. California! More nuanced than my uncle's uh, new wife. See, that's not going to make sense to anybody who heard it. Don't record it. I guess not. Don't record it. That's always your fucking advice. Don't record it, says Ryan.